Want to become best friends with the single most powerful person in the country? Whether she's a Gucci girl, Prada professional, coach queen, or target trendsetter, we'll untie the purse strings and give you the inside track on today's woman. How to capture her attention, grow her loyalty, and create such enthusiasm about your company or product that she spreads the word with her friends and family. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Purse strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, senior principal at Carmichael Lynch Spong, as she chats with those in the know so your business can grow. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I am your host, Maria Retan, and it's great to be here today. I'm so glad you could join me. You can catch Purse Strings every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern. Each and every week, you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country. The 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending, the woman. Well, first up, we're going to be talking about cars, or I should say vehicles today. And there's some interesting data I wanted to share with you. Johnson Controls uh, just fielded a survey not too terribly long ago, finding that women have a range of an intensely personal demands of their vehicles. Now, I'm a woman, and I really only demand that it be able to be filled up with gas and run. But apparently, for a lot of women, the car is an extension of the home. Many apparently drive as a moment to reflect to reflect and relax. Now, when I'm driving, I usually have kids in the back, and it's anything but relaxing. But nevertheless, Johnson Control says that women carry personal items in their car and look for ways to make the interior more homelike. If that means more garbage on the floor and gum stuck to the windows, then definitely it is more homelike. I don't know about you. Um, Harris Interactive uh, fielded the auto tech cast survey not too long ago of men and women, and apparently both are split when it comes to their favorite types of technology. Men are more drawn to technology affecting performance, while women favor technologies that play into comfort and convenience, and that's because we're all about convenience. I know I am. Apparently, tops on our list are pivoting front seats, a parking heater, a parking heater system, and capless fueling. And I have to tell you that I am embarrassed to say that I drove my husband's car for the first time in a long, long time, and I couldn't get the fuel cap open, and I had to ask the dude behind the the window to do it for me. Isn't that terrible? I don't know what it says about me or if it says something more about the car. But anyway, nevertheless, apparently I'm not alone. Women want capless fueling. LeaseTrader.com asked a 1,000 women uh, what they most wanted, and by far, fold-down rear seats for storage were tops. The most useless feature was a sunroof. And when it comes to influence on purchases, Auto Pacific had a survey saying that a quarter of women are influenced by friends and family when it comes to the type of vehicle they're going to purchase, with just 15% of men being influenced by friends and family. Uh, Believe it or not, we as women are uh, more influenced by the salesperson than a man is. Uh, And when it comes to dealing with this terrible price of gas, although it has come down slightly, 68% are spending less time on the road. Women are leading the pack on preserving fuel, with 71% of us cutting our car time down versus 65% of men. And when it comes to the type of cars that we think are cool, 88% of us, would rather chat with someone who has the latest fuel-efficient car than the latest sports car. So for all you guys out there wanting to make an impression with all the women, get a fuel-efficient car as opposed to the latest sports car, and that's by 
echogeek.org. Now, I didn't even know echogeek.org existed, but I think now I'm going to check out their site a little bit more often. Um, when it comes to safety, we all know safety has been at the top of the priority list for women, especially because we're the ones that tend to tote the kids around more than our male counterparts. Well, apparently um, the car manufacturers have hooked into this as well, and more and more ads out today talk about safety. Volkswagen, Chevy, Silverado, and Hyundai are three manufacturers who are really pressing safety over other features. Well, when it comes to who buys the cars, we know that women end up buying many, many, many cars and influencing the cars that men end up driving. And the purse profile today is the coach queen. And the coach queen can't afford to buy a new car, even in today's economic downturn. There's nearly 2 million women out there who would kind of fit the coach queen profile. She's in her mid-30s, stays at home even though they may have a college degree, a household income of about $115,000 with that oh-so-stereotypical 2.5 kids in the house and probably a dog as well. Um, They do shop for the best price. They're environmentally concerned, but their focus is on the family, even though they like to travel and stay in nice places. So if you're a marketer, how do you connect with Coach Queen? Well, friends who influence her, we heard that earlier, Store environment is crucial. That means also I'm sure that a salesperson plays a really big impact on what she's going to buy. And what she sees in magazines also influence her. She's reading, oh, Martha Stewart Living, Traditional Home, Met Home, People, Shape, and Parenting. She's online at eBay, Amazon.com, Expedia, iVillage, and Disney. And when it comes to the network, she's watching Grey's Anatomy, Lost, The Bachelor, The Office, and also cable, HGTV, TLC, and the Food Network. Well, we're going to take a quick break, but when I come back, I'm really excited to talk cars with my guest, Kelly Styring, principal of Insight Farm, Inc. Kelly was my very first guest here on Purse Strings, and yes, we are celebrating our one-year anniversary this week, and it's fitting that she would be back on to help us celebrate. And not only is she here to celebrate with us, she's here to share a little bit more about the research project that she wrapped up and just unveiled results of um, just this past week. The project's called In Your Car, Road Trip Through the American Automobile. Kelly and her family covered 5,000 miles of American Highway in 30 days this past summer. And when we come back, she's going to share what she learned during the family fun time in just a few minutes. Okay, time for something we can all relate to. Shopping. Her strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Welcome to Madame Natalia's. You've come to have your future told, no? Yeah, you see, I'm looking for the right life insurance affiliate program, and I have... Say no more? Huh? I see you working with AccuQuote. AccuQuote? Yes, AccuQuote. They are the nation's premier life insurance brokerage. Go on. AccuQuote will create custom creatives for you to optimize your eCPM, and they will offer you the highest payout for this offer anywhere. So when's all this going to happen? As soon as you visit AccuQuote.com. For life insurance, visit AccuQuote.com. Hey, what's that sound coming from your computer? That's the sound of me making money with Referback.com. They've shown me how to... Referback.com showed me how to turn clicks on my existing site into cash. Referback gives you free banners, mailers, even your own personal account manager. 
Oh, can they help me make money off my blog, too? Absolutely. Your websites, your blogs, they can all be making you money. You can even earn 50% commission on your first month. Put some into your website. Just visit referback.com. How do you choose the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple. MarketHealth.com, where health and wealth connect. Established in 1998 and formerly known as Joe Bucks, the MarketHealth.com affiliate network allows you to market and promote the world's leading health and beauty offers on the net. Start making recurring income and the highest payouts in our industry. Choose from over 50 of the hottest selling offers ranging from herbal supplements, skincare, vitamins, beauty products, weight loss, and much more. Sign up for free at MarketHealth.com and start making money today. Strike point. I had to run out and buy a new notebook, and unfortunately, I could only get a notebook with these down. And I thought, well, maybe I should try it out anyway. It's probably the worst storage system that I ever had to deal with. It doesn't seem like an update from XP. It eats up resources like crazy. Just starting up this, it takes more than a gigabyte of RAM, and then I haven't even started any programs. I mean, what, what kind of fucked up mess is that? I'm really, really considering going to Mac and just dropping that PC shit because I'm fed up with, with, with a service like that. Strike Point. Live broadcast Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. or on demand anytime inside the International Marketing Channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Podcasting at the speed of sound. WebmasterRadio.fm. The Flamethrower. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Welcome back to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan, and joining me now is Kelly Styrene, principal of Insight Farm, who spent 30 thrilling days traveling the country with her family to discover what's in your car. Thanks for being on the show, Kelly. Oh, it's my pleasure, and congratulations on your one-year anniversary. Well, thank you so much. I just thought it would be so appropriate to have you back on since you were gracious enough to be my very first victim on the show. And at that time, you were telling us a little bit about what was in your purse. You had just come out with one of your really insightful research projects called In Your Purse, Archaeology of the American Handbag. And I know at that time, you had offered a plethora of ideas on how companies can really dive in and make women's purses a lot more beneficial. And now it just seems right that you should be back on to talk about what's in your car. Can you tell me a little bit about what you, what you did this past June? Yes, I'd be happy to. In fact, the last time that we spoke, I think I had just released the book on In Your Purse, and I was still formulating my plan for delving into people's cars. You know, the purse really acts very much like a home away from home, and it's one of the few things that connects the home where needs occur and the store where women buy things for the family, and they buy most of the items for the family. And it occurred to me that somehow they had to get from the home to the store and that the car was usually how they did that. And I, I just realized I didn't know very much about um, cars and specifically the contents. I'm very interested in the archaeology of the contents and what's in the, the purse as well as the car. And so in, in many ways, I, I had a hypothesis, I guess, or a hunch that the car was operating like a great big purse, that it probably had a lot of similar items in it, and that we were using the car in such a different way from the way it was intended. Um, that, and many of these hypotheses, of course, were proven, proven true during the the research that, you know, we're no longer only using this to get from point A to B. It's really become a habitat for living. We're spending much more time in it. And so with that hypothesis and a family of four, three of whom, other than me, are 
can clearly be classified as what we would call motor heads. They love cars. <laughs> And, and I'm not one of those people. And so, you know, even my eight-year-old daughter can tell you what year a vintage Mustang is by looking at one rear tail light. And, I, and that's just not me. But I thought, you know, what a fun thing we could do together to explore this country, uh, coast to coast and north to south and everything in between, and, and explore this area of high interest to them in terms of being car-oriented and, and of high interest to me in terms of wanting to understand people. And so the end objective, of course, is to make driving better, easier, and maybe even safer by helping innovators design both car interiors that work better for you, but also car companies that make the items that we take into the car and that we use in the car to make them more car appropriate. Well, and I know, besides being an absolutely fantastic vacation idea, you you did end up wanting to get some real work done, as you said. And, in fact, you just presented your research findings in Anaheim at the Institute for International Research. Tell me a little bit about what you shared there. I'd be happy to. You know, we did qualitative interviews in each of seven major cities along the road trip. So I had more than 20 archaeologies where literally I had a person in a parking lot for two hours and I pulled everything out of their car, you know, down to the last wrapper on the floor, laid it all out on a big tarp and did a photographic interview as well as a, a physical inventory of every item. Then I took that and I put it into a great big online study where more than 200 respondents printed out an inventory list and inventoried their own car for me as well as answering lots of questions about being a driver today in America. And so I was able to take all of that information along with, actually, I should also mention a personal immersion. You know, we spent 30 days in a car as a family. So we learned firsthand what that was like and we drove a 2009 Honda Pilot Touring Edition, courtesy of American Honda Motors, who had an interest in learning from a family like us uh, what it would be like to spend that kind of intense amount of time. So we wrote a specific report for them, of course, but then integrated our family experience to kind of bring the learnings to life. You know, you can quote statistics and read studies online all day long. There's something special about having a personal experience as a researcher as well. And so I brought all of that together for the Institute for International Research. And, you know, some of the key findings are this idea of habitat, this idea that we're spending two hours a day in the car, but we're only driving 30 miles, okay? So a lot is happening in the car other than driving. We're eating an intense amount of eating in the car. Beverages almost every day, almost every person has some kind of beverage in the car. And yet the cup holders are full of things other than cups. <laughs> so where are, you, where are you supposed to put that beverage? And people are wrapping that, people are doing it. So that's kind of a, a conflict. So I looked for conflicts in, in the environment. And the other thing that I look for is what we call compensatory behaviors, and that's where people are compensating for a failure in the product. And so I saw a lot of beverages with a napkin wrapped around the bottom because there's condensation that then gets in the cup holder. And so they're compensating for something that's not right. I saw people uh, using big chip clips to clip pieces of cardboard onto their visor to make it longer. You know, that's an indication to the car companies that there's something not working about the visor system. And so by looking at conflicts and compensatory behaviors, we can then start to form an innovation strategy that helps the consumer. The consumer is trying to tell us something. All we have to do is listen. Right, and at the top of the show, I shared some study results about what other researchers have found about what women specifically want out of their cars, some of which I agreed with, some of which I could have cared less about, because like you, I am not a motorhead. I ask very little of my vehicle. But I would imagine that um, you found some incredibly surprising things. What 
What are, are we carrying in our cars that was most surprising to you? Some of the things you've already mentioned, but were you shocked by anything? Oh, well, sure. I found some oddball things. Um, let me say something, I guess, so I can address those first, I guess. I found a half a hamburger. I mean, when you're going to stick your head under the back seat of someone's car, you don't know what you're going to find. And, <laughs> and they were specifically requested not to clean the car. And, and I can tell you for a fact that they didn't because this is pretty filthy study. Um, so I found some things like Halloween decorations in the middle of July. Those were in the trunk. And so I call the trunk the place where things go to die. We put things uh-huh. back there and just completely forget that they're there. Um, things that are meant to be returned to the store that are more than a year old. In fact, one woman pulled out two shoeboxes of shoes that she intended to return. She had the receipt and everything. One of the shoeboxes was empty. She had no idea where the shoes went. So the trunk is literally a place where things just go to, to, to <laughs> be forgotten. You know, and, and so some of the other kind of odd things, you know, lots of kind of desiccated food that had fallen oh. on the floor. Lots of trash. 50% of all cars have some kind of garbage in them. Most of it on the floorboards or under the seats. And it doesn't happen intentionally. You know, we don't live like that typically in our homes. But in this environment, you know, there's no place to put it. So it ends up on the floorboard, typically the passenger floorboard, and then it migrates under the seat over time because even though we say to ourselves, we have very good intentions, we say to ourselves, well, I'll pick that trash up when I get home. When you get home, you've got groceries, you've got a briefcase, you've got a purse, you've got a small child. There's not an extra hand to grab that trash at that moment. And so then you say, well, I'll get it tomorrow. And then the same thing happens the next day and the next day. Most people get to it within about a week's time, but a week's worth of garbage is quite a bit in a car. Especially if you're a mom in a van with kids. It's a lot. Oh, my gosh. The moms with, I mean, you've got Barbie heads and, you know, all kinds of just debris, basically kid debris. And so wouldn't it be logical if the garbage is going to go on the floorboard and under the seat anyway, wouldn't a nice little under-the-seat trash receptacle be a great idea? You know, just give you a little stash place to put that stuff until you can get to it at the end of the week. If I'm going to put things in my trunk and forget about them, wouldn't it be great if there was a button that I could push that had a mini recorder on it so I could say, groceries, gym bag, school books, and then when I turn the car off, my voice comes on the radio and says, groceries, gym bag, It's just a little reminder of what I stuffed in the trunk. Um, These are some of the things that can come out of this type of study if we listen to what the consumer is trying to tell us through their behaviors. What did you find were the biggest differences between women and men's vehicles? There were three major differences. One was this notion that women do tend to tote children around more than men do. So a a lot more child debris and and, um, child boarding equipment and things like that. The second is that I found quite a few men carrying sporting equipment for themselves full-time in the trunk, which surprised me. I thought, you know, here's a set of jumper cables and golf clubs right next to it. I said, gee, um, you think you might have some emergency golf this afternoon? Like, why are these clubs in here? Why, aren't, why don't you take them out when you get home and put them in the garage? Well, they're here when I need them. I won't forget them, and they stay cleaner here than they would in my garage. So that kind of surprised me. Lots of, you know, it was summertime, so lots of big bags of golf equipment, you know, tennis gear, that kind of stuff in men's cars. And then, but probably the most striking thing was the amount of um, what I would call tokens of emotion in women's cars. Family photographs stuffed in the little vents of the air conditioning system or between the air conditioner and the radio. Stickers and adornments and jewels and things hanging from the, the mirrors. And even one woman in, in, in uh, Portland who 
had a rosebud on the top of her radio antenna outside. And she said it was because she was a short-haired woman and she wanted people to know that she was all girl. (laughs) She was using the exterior of the car to express a face to others. Um, And that was one of the most important findings, and I, I think it does separate men from women, is that the exterior is an expression of what you want other people to see. It's the face you show them. The interior is how you really live. So people would have the messiest car inside, but it would be, you know, pretty buttoned up outside and have, you know, maybe a sticker from a radio station that they liked or, you know, a community organization, but pretty buttoned up on the outside, pretty disgusting on the inside was a, was a common trend. And I, I am sure that that's maybe the way their office looks as well. <laughs> but uh, we're going to take a, a really quick break, and when we come back, though, I do want to talk more about um, kind of that dichotomy of what's on the outside and what's on the inside, and then what type of car we drive reveals things about us that we may not know that it reveals. So when we come back, more with Kelly Styring about what's in your car and what it says about you. Her strings back in just a moment. Okay, time for something we can all relate to, shopping. Her strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Friend Finder. Friend Finder. The world's largest online dating network featuring over 100 million profiles at hot sites such as Passion.com and FastCupid.com represents enormous profit-making opportunities for webmasters just like you. With Friend Finder's ability to geo-target and provide billing solutions in most languages and currencies, you are sure to find our comprehensive network to be a good friend to your wallet. Wallet. Get more traffic-maximizing details now at FriendFinder.com. When it comes to finding the right customers with the right keywords, all you have to remember is ABC Search. ABC Search is the world's largest privately held pay-per-click network, giving advertisers the best pay-per-click traffic. With over 6 billion searches a month and industry-leading protection using ClickShield, their patent-pending fraud identification software, you can trust ABC Search to deliver the best possible traffic. When thinking about PPC and publisher solutions, all you need to remember is ABC Search. Quality partners, quality search, abcsearch.com. Susan, you're still responsible for digital marketing programs, right? Right. So your team is responsible for email marketing, web analytics, PPC campaign optimization, and scheduling? Your point? Why are you so relaxed? My team deals with five different solutions, tech support teams, and just as many invoices, and it's making us mental. What is it? Aromatherapy? Acupuncture? Why are you so relaxed? You just have to simplify your tool set and unify your team. Lyris provides totally integrated email marketing, web analytics, PPC campaign management, and calendaring functionality. It's all in one spot that provides a holistic view of all your team's efforts. And you get all of this functionality for $299 a month. So with Lyris, one company can do it all. I feel like I can cancel that acupuncture appointment already. To see how Lyris can simplify your life, visit Lyris.com or call 1-888-GO-LYRIS. Simplify, unify, and increase ROI with Lyris today. This is Bruce Clay, one of the hosts of SEM Synergy, the show about achieving synergy in your search marketing efforts, SEO, pay-per-click, and everything else. SEM Synergy, live broadcast Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel. Search Engine Marketing formulated for Web 2.0. Find it here every week on SEM Synergy on webmasterradio.fm. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, 
faster, wiser. Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Entertainment Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. And we're back. Kelly Styring, principal of Insight Farm, Inc., and we've been talking about Kelly's latest research project called In Your Car, Road Trip Through the American Automobile. Now, Kelly and her family covered seven cities, more than 5,000 miles of highway in just 30 days, and is just out with the research results. And we've been talking about what's what Kelly found in those cars, everything from bags of trash to half-eaten hamburger. And before the break, Kelly, you were just talking about how the outside is a statement. The inside may reveal something totally different. Does the type of car we drive say something about us, or do we feel like it does? I think we feel like it does. I think we select something that shows a face that we want others to see. I talked with a gentleman who was very particular about the car that he drove and the fact that he felt that it indicated not only his status in society, but his maturity as a man. And, and so he said, you know, that another sportier type of car might be more appropriate for a younger person, but I'm a man and this is what, a, this is what an adult, you know, mature man would drive. On the other hand, you know, I spoke with women who were purely utilitarian. You know, I drive a minivan. I'd love to be driving a sports car, but I drive a minivan because I've got kids and I really need this space. In fact, this one woman that I spoke with took the middle seats out and put her kids as far away as possible when they were driving. (laughs) She said as soon as she strapped them in to the back seat, she could feel her blood pressure go down, like she was going to have 30 minutes or however long it was going to take them to get somewhere of um, a little bit of peacefulness, which was pretty interesting because people were either on one side or the other of that. Either driving was a relaxing thing and they listened to music and they felt good about that, or they were pretty tense. And a lot of the tension did come from not only other drivers around them, but the environment in the car, which they had created themselves by not keeping it neater or thinking more deeply about what they carried around with them. Well, it's interesting because I had read a study not too long ago talking about how women found their car to be almost these respites. And I find it to be anything but a respite, mainly because I have kids in my car when I'm in my car. But you were talking before about, um, you know, this woman wanted her kids as far away from her as possible. And I know the point of this project was to come up with some potential products and offerings that car manufacturers might want to consider. Have you considered maybe that invisible wall that comes up between you and your kids? Yeah, you know, I didn't consider that, but I did think about children quite a bit. Part of my process in helping bring research to life for clients is to bring, is to work very closely with a an industrial designer. And so my family and I actually brainstormed 20 product ideas, and then I hand them over to the design team, and they come back with very rough sketches of that so that it gives it a, a face, in a way, for you. And so one of the unique ideas that I think we came up with was a dining tray table for kids that would fold down much like an airplane, but it was inflatable like a life raft so that if there was, um, hopefully not, but if there was an accident, it wouldn't be a dangerous thing in the back seat. You know, I think there's a craving for a way to try to contain the food refuse a little bit and give kids a, a little bit more structure around how they're eating in the in the car, but, you know, it has to also be safe. And so we have this little inflatable uh, tray table for kids. I thought, I thought that was kind of a unique approach 
to, to that particular situation. But, I, yeah, you know, maybe a noise barrier or, or maybe um, kid noise-canceling headphones or something very specific <laughs> would work out well. Well, I loved your under-the-seat trash receptacle idea because I know that's where things go to die in my car, not so much the trunk, but definitely under the seat. And then I love the mini recorder because I can't remember anything. I either have to, I have to write it down, and obviously writing and driving isn't the most safe thing. So having that little voice recorder I think is just brilliant. Do you think that companies are going to sit up and take notice of this and maybe one day you could see some of your creative ideas come to life? You know, the good news is that they already have. So when I did the purse study, I went out on my own, and I, I funded that study, and then I presented it to companies, and quite a few innovations re- did result from that study. This time, I presented the idea of the study first, and so I went into it with five corporate subscribers, and only two of them are in automotive. Three of them are in consumer packaged goods, and they're some of the biggest companies in the world, and I can't name them for you, but I'm really (laughs) excited because over the course of the next month, now that I've revealed the data at the conference, which was the debut of the data, my next step is to go to the subscribers' headquarters and present to their innovation teams and help lead them through some building of ideas. So I would think within the next year or two, you're going to see a lot of excitement in this area. And then I'll follow up with Congratulations on that. Well, thank you. I, I'm very excited to have taken a, a slightly different approach. It just goes to show you, you can always learn something new, and I think I learned how to do this more successfully. And so then in the spring, I'll publish the book, and that'll bring the concept of studying what I've done as well as some of the product ideas to a much broader audience, and, and I think that will further help inspire. I hope it'll help inspire. Because the whole idea, of course, I'm, I'm a consumer advocate what I do. And so for me, the greatest success would be that a company come out with something that, that was inspired by this information and, and provide for America's drivers an improvement in, in their habitat. Well, I certainly hope for my sake that they do. We would be much happier in my car if we had that under-the-seat receptacle. And again, I'm pushing for that invisible wall, that cone uh-huh. of silence. I think there's something there for sure. I'll be speaking with uh, Honda later this month. They are the only named sponsor of the study, so I'll bring that up. Yeah, awesome. Great. Well, now that we've been in your purse and in your car, do you have any vision of what your next project's going to be? I have two, actually. And so one, of course, is is an in-your study because, you know, like Pavlo, I'll ring the bell. Um, So I'm considering student backpacks. I think it would be pretty cool when it's time to take my son to campuses across the country to do a student backpack study. I, I think it's a, a new and it's an emerging market, of course, or an entry point market for a lot of my clients, and it is really their lifeline in, in many ways. So that's, that's one next step that I'm considering. That's probably two years off. Um, but just this week I've launched a new tool called the Insight Farm Innovation Hothouse. So if you go to insightfarm.com, there is a link, and it's a blog-based message that I'm sending out. But I've developed a measurement tool that measures marketplace innovations, so consumer noticeability of new things. So when this new um, noise barrier comes up in cars, hopefully it will come up in my survey. It's a monthly survey. And then once something is consumer noticeable, like the Wii Fit was one of the first items that came up in the study, I uh, run it through another battery of tests to figure out if I think it has success potential. So I can model success potential and indicators why. And then I go out and buy the product and use it in my home and blog about it. 
So I have four items featured on there now. And then the long-term goal, of course, is to be able to measure innovation ideas before they're on the market using the same measurement system to try to help companies make better products before they launch them. Oh, I just love that. And wouldn't that be great if they could could do even more research so then when they finally get to us, they work, and they work really well and exceed my expectations because I know, like many consumers out there, so often I'm disappointed. So I think it's great that you have the this ability to measure innovation and the success for that. And you said that's at InsightFarm.com, correct? At, Insight, at InsightFarm.com, there's a link to the Insight Farm Innovation Hothouse, and that's where that's housed at this time. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're just back from Anaheim from that research conference. I I so appreciate you taking the time to come on and let us know what was in our cars. Thank you. I'm very pleased to be here. Now I have to start writing the book because it's due in the spring. (laughs) Good luck with that. But you know what? All the hard work's done. Now you just have to, you've got it all in your head. You just have to get it on paper, which I know you'll do a brilliant job of. So good luck. So true. I just wish you the best of luck. And thanks again. And, again, check out InsightFarm.com. And also I know that in your car, RoadTrip.com is still up because I checked it out the other day. Kelly had blogged about her trip this past June and some really fascinating stories and some marvelous pictures of that seven-city, 5,000-mile trek. So check that out as well. And I want to say thanks to George, my producer, for another great show. And join me next Tuesday on Purse Strings at 3. I will be joined by Eliza Freud founder and CEO of She Speaks. Now, Eliza's been on the show before, uh, but this time she's going to be sharing some insight into a brand new research project around women and social media. And I can tell you right now that the results will surprise you. Some new, exciting information out of that, out of that research. That's next Tuesday right here on Purse Strings. Until then, make it a great one. 